Hi, this is Joel Johnson, and we have a very special podcast today. Uh, my good friend Dylan Bond is with us from Springfield, uh, from the Springfield area in Massachusetts. Before we do this, though, remember, compliance is your responsibility. Uh, I, nor Dylan Bond, nor Advisors Excel uh, are responsible for you uh, going out there and, and saying something crazy or doing something uh, foolish. So please, uh, if you are NAS, if you if you are FINRA or SEC registered or state uh, RIA registered or insurance licensed, be responsible for your own compliance and everybody that you're accountable for. Um, that is your responsibility. With that said, um, like I said earlier, uh, we've got a pretty great podcast. Uh, Dylan's been a friend of mine. We've known each other for over 10 years. We worked together for a little while and uh, we still feel like we work together. And uh, he came to one of the Rainmaker groups, and some of you probably remember him. Um, he's always a lot of fun to be around. But he is a fantastic salesperson, a good implementer, and a good person um, that, in my mind, focuses very well on the things that are important in the business and is able to let go some of the things that aren't important that I've seen many producers get caught up on. Uh, a lot. What we're going to talk, talk about today is two different things. One is building repeatable sales systems, things that can be repeated over and over again to uh, build consistent cash flow in your business. And then the second thing we're going to talk about is we're just going to get some insight from Dylan on uh, really what he got. Here we are about eight weeks away from uh, the Dallas event and about four weeks away from the Chicago event. So Chicago's coming up, but Dallas is about eight weeks away. And it's just really a good time to recap on what uh, on what has been helpful. So Dylan, welcome. You want to say a few things about yourself and uh, tell us who you are? Uh, no, no, I'm, it's good to be here. I, I don't think I need to speak much about myself. Um, I, I think uh, I think everybody knows who I am, and uh, you know they've probably read much about me in the publications out there and whatnot. Um, so, which publication? Which publications you know, no. would? Which publications would those be? By the way, the police blotter or the? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, no. Or I the mean, global. I've been, the, I've been with the, the guys. Uh, I've worked with uh, Joel for, like you said, for over ten years. Uh, I've been with Advisors Excel for about five now. Um, been in the business for twenty. Uh, started in the business as a uh, as a, a broker, uh, invested more of an NASD uh, broker, you know, on that side. And then, uh, nineteen ninety eight, got my insurance license, and uh, two thousand and one, realized that. Uh, people need protection, obviously, and uh, we, we, we kind of been rolling since then uh, with a little bit of both. Great. Good. So, Dylan, let's talk about um, um, repeatable systems, the importance of creating repeatable sales systems where we can have a constant flow of prospects in our office um, for face-to-face appointments. What kind of things are you doing right now? And, and t- tell us about how that's evolved in your business, maybe going back to when you and I uh, got to know each other. Uh, which was when we were both uh, housed in a MetLife agency, and we sort of left uh, Mother Met and started doing seminars. So go take us back, talk about um, um, what you were doing then, what you're still doing uh, now that you were doing then, and then yeah. some of the other things that you've done as far as creating a constant flow of prospects. Yeah, I mean, back and, then, and I'm just gonna you know, I'm, I'm just gonna interrupt, by the way, as I see fit here and, and ask questions if that's all right with everyone. That, that, that's fine. Uh, I think the key uh, when we left the MetLife system was being exposed to seminar marketing. Um, I, I still believe that that, that is my uh, unique ability um, to get in front of a crowd of people and just uh, 
talking with them uh, uh, in, 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 in taking, you know, being, being able to do it on a larger level and speaking with 20 to 30 people at a time, I think works very well for me. Uh, it's, it, it's a good way to get uh, people coming into my office on a consistent basis. Uh, I've added, uh, I've added some television, uh, doing some uh, television marketing uh, using one of the uh, the local NBC channel, and doing uh, you know weekly interviews uh, that way. I've done some radio marketing, but rather than doing radio programming or shows, uh, I've done more of one minute commercials. Um, and, uh, that's worked well for me and collectively, I think what, what, what I've found is that, um, it's a combination of all those things, but ultimately the seminars are where I get the majority of my, um, my first appointments. So we hear a lot these days about people kind of being proud and almost bragging that they don't do seminars anymore. How, how do you... Um, you know, not to make a judgment, but what is your, what happens in your gut when you hear somebody say that? What, what kind of goes through your mind? I don't, I don't, I don't, I really just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Because every once in a while when I hear that, I I wonder why, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's one thing if people don't want to be out at night and they want to be with their families and so on, but um, right. What what I've seen out there is, you know, people waste a tremendous amount of time during the day, uh, many times get involved in their businesses in areas they probably shouldn't be involved in with detail work, not empowering their staff, not just staying out of the way and letting people do people be people. And then by the end of the day, they're kind of burnt out. Maybe they've seen four to six people. Hopefully they're seeing four to six people every day. And then they go to do a seminar and they just feel like, geez, it's just it's burning me out. I don't want to do this where in my life and I know in your life, Dylan. You know, there are days when you don't even show up in the office until noon and, and you'll work a, a good afternoon and then you'll go do a seminar at night or you might even take a day off and do a seminar at night. And, and that's kind of how it is yeah. with me. So I think it's all how, how you look at it. Um, you know, if you don't want to do seminars, that's great. But, but I don't, you know, when I hear somebody say, well, we don't do seminars anymore, we're real proud of it, and we see four new people a week because all we do is referrals, and I question the repeatability and the scalability of that kind of a practice. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I think it's awesome if you want to do that. But just be careful when you brag about something um, that you're not doing it sort of out of a uh, out of a defense mechanism that it really is a choice for your business. Tell me when you when you do a seminar, Dylan. Just give us some. You know how many how many things do you mail? Um, are you doing Ruth Chris or are you doing kind of a family type uh, owned restaurant? And how many people do yeah. you get? And how many how many appointments do you set? And and maybe more importantly, what's your attitude towards the performance part of the seminar? Is it real scripted? Is it kind of loose? Uh, just talk through that a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in, in scripted stuff. Um, I, I, when, when I, when I focus on scripts, I, I tend to do very poorly. Um, but I, but I think it's, uh, it's more or less, um, you know, just kind of working with what you got you. And, and I think practice is key. And, and I think the way to practice is, is just keep doing them and learn from your mistakes. You know, don't, don't, uh, if, if you feel you, you found something that didn't work, don't, don't keep repeating it. Um, I mail 10,000 mailers out per clip. Um, I was doing at 1.6,000, but this year I, I bumped it up to 10,000 and, 
and that that has definitely brought more people into the uh, into the events. And how many do you, uh, how many how many typically are you inviting people to two nights or three nights off that ten thousand? We're doing uh, we're doing two right now. Okay, and um, how many are you getting? Years ago, we did three, but for whatever reason, it just uh, it, it didn't seem to work well. Okay. And then you're getting approximately how many, roughly, uh, uh, per per each of those two nights? Um, on average, somewhere between, uh, let's say, 15 and 25. H- households or people? Uh, um people okay okay so you're getting anywhere between 30 and 50 and just your gut without digging up a bunch of marketing numbers uh, how many clients do you think you get on average per workshop oh per workshop i would say i i get three to six okay it's kind of a big range but yeah no that's awesome though no i i i i don't I try not to focus a lot on on the results because they are what they are, no matter what. I just I just feel that seminars work for me. Yeah, um, awesome. You know, and, and the more the more micro focused I get on the results, uh, it starts to make me crazy. Yeah, and you know, for me, I think I think it's just the fact of the matter is you got to get out there and get in front of as many people as you can. And in however you're doing that, it, it, whatever works for you, just do it. So I heard a few key things there. I hear that you're you're not too focused on the numbers because you know it works, and I know it works. Some some guys out there they they think something doesn't work or works, and then we start exploring the numbers, and and uh, they're actually wrong. So you do want to check your data once in a while. But I know Dylan's practice; he's very very profitable. Um, and, and the seminars work, but I heard him say that, you know, he's relaxed about it. He goes in, um, but he practices and his way of practicing is doing it a lot, which is also my way of practicing. You know, I don't do a lot of rehearsal in front of a camera. I don't do a lot of role playing. Um, I remember when Dylan and I started doing seminars, we both kind of went, did run throughs with, um, somebody that we were working with, but we probably haven't done a run through or a practice in a long time. But if you're doing, you know, four to eight seminars a month, you don't really need to. Uh, tell us a little bit about, and, and the other thing I heard was key is that he feels like it's your unique ability. And remember what we talked about, folks, with unique ability. We said the things that give you energy when you show up and you go on stage at a seminar, if you have energy doing that, if it's easy to do for you, if it comes naturally, then that's probably something you're very, very good at. Um, if you don't like getting there ahead of time to set up, have somebody else do it for you. If you don't like hanging around afterwards, blow out afterwards. Just tell people, hey, I'm out of here afterwards. I've got a family at home. Um, they don't mind, you know, get somebody else to do the stuff you don't like to do. So tell us about what you're doing with, uh, with TV, um, Dylan. I've, I've seen you do some spots. You've sent some spots down to me. You were kind of doing a morning, I think kind of a morning variety show there on the couch with some co-anchors and so on. Um, tell us what your feeling is on TV and how you, um, is it a hard call to action or is it more of a PR and then leveraging that in other places? Right, well... It started off more as a uh, just a, a, a PR thing. Um, I, I I I basically would just do you know five minutes on average per week. Uh, it, it's it's somewhat it's kind of like a local Today Show, if you will. It's 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 it follows the Today Show on NBC. 
and it's it's really more of a lifestyle program. Um, and uh, I was using it more for just to to get my, my my face out there. I wasn't really focused on a call to action. But one of the things I learned in in the small groups is why not why not create a call to action? Why not get them? Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything, why not get give people the opportunity to reach out to you. So uh, I've, 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 since then, I've changed a lot of things. Even with radio commercials, I was doing more of a marketing. Um, I, was, I was marketing the radio commercials and the TV commercials, trying to get people to attend my seminars. And then, I, then something I heard from you was, well, why, why use one marketing channel the market to get people to another marketing channel when ultimately you're just trying to get people in your office to do seminars. So that was one of the biggest things I changed. I, I started creating call to actions and, uh, you know, whether it's uh, complimentary retirement roadmap reviews, uh, and, and getting people in to do that or uh, call, you know, contact us for, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a retirement roadmap, uh, you know, package that has all the all the information that you need to know or the 10 things even those things like advice excel happens with the 10 things you need to know when planning your retirement income they Mm -hmm. may seem real simple to us and we might think that they're not um worth much or or that i perceived that at times that it wasn't a lot of information or it wasn't enough and at the end of the day who cares it sounds good. Ten things you need to know about planning your retirement income, and it, and it, it is very helpful to people that aren't doing it every day like we are. So and, and I've been doing the, that, and it's been working real well. Right, and that's the key with any good offer, you know. And and so you you said two things there. One was, you know, if ultimately we want the appointment, why don't we just ask for the appointment? And then if we can't get the appointment, then maybe we have somebody come to a seminar and so on. But you know, wouldn't it be nice to just get somebody to come in for an appointment and skip all that stuff in between? You know, the the, the calls back and forth, the confirmation for the seminar, the filling out the blue sheet. You know, if you can get people to come in for an appointment right off the radio, why not go for that? Um, but then the other thing is, you know, the, the things that we give away, whether it's a little booklet like I passed around at the groups, whether it's uh, the, the Social Security things and, and the, uh, the 10 things you need to know about your retirement, which we use as a TV offer all the time, that little piece from AE, it doesn't have to be complicated. The main thing is you're offering something um, somebody's raising their hand and asking for that offer, and you begin a relationship that hopefully leads to a face-to-face appointment. So that's um, that, that's great. Tell us about your radio advertising. Is that, do you want to say anything more about that, or is that pretty much it now? You've changed it, so you're just asking for an appointment. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've, I, when I was, for the, I've been doing radio advertising for probably going on three years now, and a lot of it has been, um, doing uh, more, get it, trying to get people to to contact us to co- to try to generate more seminar traffic. Uh-huh. Um, and really coming out of your last, uh, coming out of the Texas thing that we did, the, the the Rainmaker thing, I I immediately got back and I completely changed the radio ad. So now I'm really just simply saying, you know, contact us. Uh, for, for a copy of the 10 things you need to know about planning your retirement income um, or to, to, you know, 
in talking about uh, our, our retirement roadmap review process, how how it's fun and easy, rather than try to sell everybody on a retirement roadmap review process over the over the radio. That I think I, I, I got from that, that that rainmaker program is just make it real simple. And I, I think as advisors, we really tend to overcomplicate things. And, and that's another thing that I came back with. Is just, Forget about overcomplicating it. Make it real easy to understand. Uh, make people make make people understand that they're not going to get overwhelmed with a lot of uh, useless, uh, overcomplicated information. Just make it real fun and easy, and give them something for responding. And it's worked real well. I mean, I changed it. I think the first day or the first couple of days we we, we, we we had those commercials on the air and we literally got like five calls and I was blown away. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. You know, and, 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 and of course that, that slowed down from there, but, but we still get, you know, a call or two uh, a, a, a week and, and it's been working pretty good. So the key here is you're doing all these things. Seminars, you say, are still your most lucrative and predictable um, way of, of prospecting, um, and that's your unique yeah. ability. But you've got TV going. You've got radio going. I know you do a little bit of golf course marketing. We, we don't have to get into that. Um, but the key is it's the combo. You feel like it's the combo of all those things. And, and so the lesson here is whatever it takes to fill your calendar with however many appointments you need for the week. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody that was talking about how they have a really high closing ratio, and then I asked how many people they were seeing a, new, a week, how many new prospects they were seeing a week, and, and the number was only two or three. So uh, let's just say you see three people a week. Well, even if you close 100%, that's only three, you know, that, I mean, I guess three clients a week is really good if you're a single practitioner, but the, the, to count on having to close three people every week, I mean, you're counting on everybody that comes in, having a good attitude, bringing their stuff genuinely caring about themselves and their families, being honest with you, and having money. It's unlikely if you're only seeing two or three people a week, all those things are going to be in play. So even though you got three people coming in, you might really not have a, all three great prospects. Why not see six or eight, or our goal is to see eight to ten people per advisor, and then you've got a reasonable shot of bringing on one or two new clients, and you bring in one or two new clients a week, you're killing it in this business if you're a single advisor. So you don't have to be somebody that's running a multiple advisor practice like I am, um, you know, Dylan, I think up to this point, Dylan, you don't have another advisor yet, correct? You, you're just, yeah, I know I you're, not, looking no. for, you're, you're looking for somebody to kind of be a hybrid, some sales and some service, but, but I know Dylan's numbers and he's crushing it up there. But I would guess if we really went back and did a study of his calendar, every week or every month, there's a fairly consistent flow of appointments. And I know Dylan, he likes to take vacation time. So that might mean they all come in two weeks. And then the other two weeks, he might not be seeing a lot of people. But my guess is if we look back, he's grown his practice consistently because he's seen a consistent number of new prospects. And then you don't have to worry about whether you close everybody and you can actually boot the people out of your office that have an attitude. Is that, is that kind of how you're, how you look at things, Dylan? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think at, at the older I get, the one thing I do realize and the one thing, uh, you know, that I can see that works real well for you is it's it, it, having another advisor gives you the ability to be able to do other things or, or, or take that vacation without, 
completely stopping the, 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 the revenue machine. And I think that's important. So I think I'm look, I got to look more and more back into at least getting one other advisor working with me um, or, or for me. And I, and I like the concept that you have of, of making them employees and giving them the benefits and, 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 and not trying to, uh, you know, get somebody that's just going to go. I'm not looking at it, I guess, is, is getting somebody to come in and just automatically start making me money. Um, but I think eventually if you find the right person and, um, and you get them trained properly and you get them, you know, buying into the, to the story and the message, I, I think a long term they could, they're just automatically going to, going to be able to get out there and start seeing people and, 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 and taking on people that maybe you don't want to. So I, I think that's a, that's a real big thing that I got to focus on. That's one thing I'm changing. Good. As we uh, as we go into the last few minutes here, and, and stay with us, folks, because there's some good stuff. I've got a kind of a surprise for you at the end that's a little funny. Um, but as we go to the last few minutes, you talked about you changed some things on the radio uh, advertising after the first group uh, in Dallas, after the first uh, uh, Rainmaker group. What, are there any other significant changes that you've made that you think, as, as you look back a year, they're going to have a great impact, or maybe they've already have an impact in your business? Yeah, I, 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 I think uh, I, I came to the realization that uh, someone that was working with me, that was a good friend of mine for since we were uh, in third, we, we've known each other from the third grade. Uh, it just wasn't working. Uh, the way it should. And, and I, I, I made that change. I let him go and it was tough to do. And I, I lost about a, a week's worth of sleep before I actually uh, did it. But since realizing that, that it wasn't a good fit and, and uh, I think it's been really a lot better for both of us. Um, I got back to uh, looking at uh, the seminars more as a, as a production, you, you got to go through all those little, um, those little, nuances that that you start to overlook as you as you do them year after year and and, and you got to treat them like it's it's your first one and, and get those checklists in place and make sure the room is set up absolutely right make sure that uh i love uh seating people that was one of the biggest things i think that i got out of that rainmaker that we implemented immediately and seating people at the seminar and breaking down the tables into smaller uh, table sizes rather than doing those eight person tables, get back to the four person tables. And in, in the last one, we didn't have as many uh, attendees. So we broke it down to two people tables to make the room look better. And that worked well. And then at the end of the, at the end of the program, uh, because it was an interactive program, they ended up wanting to, uh, to, to pull the tables together and sit and eat as a group. So that was awesome. Great. So, wow. You know, there's just a lot of little things that I think uh, that over the years you start to cut corners and do this and do that. And I think you're only hurting yourself. Awesome. So there's a little bonus we want to give you guys uh, on this podcast. Dylan has an awesome technique that he taught me once and, um, uh, and he, he uses it, and he is the master of this. He's probably the best guy I've ever met at this. And it's when we get in front of a prospect, and the prospect is in our conference room, 
and they're uh, they're not uh, the type of person that we decide we want to do business with. They're either the one of those know-it-alls, or they don't care about their family, or they want to tell us about their 27 no-load mutual funds that they've uh, they're actively managing uh, three times a day. So, Dylan, kind of give us your 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 technique there of of ending that appointment. Um, and, and and having it be in such a pleasant way that the client doesn't quite know what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean, the bottom line is it isn't worth taking on somebody that you – it doesn't matter how much money they have or, uh, you know, how tough the, the month might be. For me, it, taking that the, the wrong personality on – is just going to, it isn't going to be fair for them. It isn't going to be fair for me and it isn't going to be fair for, for my staff. Uh, so, you know, once I've determined that there's no possible way, uh, on earth that I'm going to be able to work with this person over the next, uh, you know, possible 20 years, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to simply let them know that I, you know, I, 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 what I say is I say, look, I, you know, I know me, and from what I know of you, this really isn't going to be a good fit. So, so rather rather than try trying to you know fit a round peg into a square hole, I just think at this point we should just shake hands as friends uh, and, and move on. And as I'm doing this, I'll just simply stand up, put my hand out, shake hands with them, uh, get them to stand up because they'll follow your lead, and, and then just put your arm around them and and just continue to talk as you're walking them. Uh, out of the out of the office, and and and, and I'll continue to talk with them uh, in in a friendly manner until I until I've evolved the conversation out into the hallway, um, and then I'll just say, you know, I wish you all the best luck in the world. Um, you know, I you know I I I I, I encourage you to find somebody that 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 you, that, that that you're comfortable with, uh, but I just don't think we're going to be a good fit and. And then I'll turn around and walk back in the office and shut the door. And it, it works really well because you, you've never done anything. It, it, it hasn't become a, a, a negative thing, but they don't really understand what the hell happened <laughs> until they're already out, outside of the office and you've already left and shut the door. Yeah, if you if you do the technique right, there's this dawning that comes on their face when they realize that the meeting is over and they're out in the hallway because they they're not quite aware of what's happening when it's happening, and it's just it, it's awesome. And then you're smiling from the other side of your of your you know lobby, but they're outside and and the meeting's it over. Feels you good. See, it feels good. It feels good, and it's it's pretty funny because some of them have an interesting reaction when they realize they're out in the hallway and the meeting's over. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they tend to want to. I've had a couple of people fight, try to sell me on why it is a good fit. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the wrong thing or the right thing, but all that I know is that the last thing you want to do is take somebody on that you're absolutely not going to be able to work with for whatever reason it is. Well, don't no question. Duplicate, duplicate the people you love, and, uh, and I think it'll, it'll, it'll go a lot. Take a lot more. Uh, take a lot more of the, the, the stress out of the business for sure. And remember what it does to you, the advisor. It, you know, one of the things we talked about in the first group was the importance of protecting your confidence and protecting your energy. And there's nothing that can protect your confidence and energy better 
than, than rejecting somebody. Um, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way, and we don't do it in an arrogant way, but in just telling somebody there's not a good fit and knowing that you're going to be okay because you've got a nice flow of prospects over the next week or two weeks or months or what, whatever it is, and you don't need that person, it also um, creates um, a – it makes you very attractive to a prospect when you just don't care that much, especially if they don't care. You know, you're there to help. Yeah. You do care deeply about them. But we never want to be in a position where we care more than the prospect about their situation. To, to finish on that story, it, 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 to, to that point, I did that with, with, with a guy that came in as a referral from a, from a, a, a big, huge company um, in this area that, that I, I have a really good in with and I get a lot of referrals out of. Um, and come to find out, Nobody really liked that guy at that company, but he ended up coming in. And, and once it got out that I had actually disengaged from him and didn't take him as a client, it actually made me that much more desirable for the good people in that company that realized, hey, he's not just taking everybody. We don't like that guy, and he didn't either. So... That that actually got me more referrals from that company. So it worked out because he went he went back to the the office like you know like a canary singing about he couldn't believe uh, that Bond didn't want to work with me. What the <laughs> hell kind of guy is Bond not wanting to work with me? What the heck is this? He was trying to give me bad press, and uh, it ended up being uh, the best salesperson out there for me. Yeah, the rest of the employees are probably thinking, "Oh, finally somebody stood up to this knucklehead." Exactly. So, and, and everybody, every one of them that comes in says, "Hey, I, I heard you didn't. Uh, you, you chose not to work with, uh, you know, whatever his name was, Bruce or whatever his name was." Uh, and and, and it, it, it ended up working really well for me, getting more referrals out of that same company. That's awesome, Dylan. Anything uh, else you want to say as we close and wrap up here? And no, I, all, all I can say is that you know uh, I've known you for a long time, and uh, I, I've always had a great relationship with you, and and, and, and I believe in you, I trust you, and and, and I, I think you're you're really good at what you do, uh, and I, I, I'm glad that you're doing these groups uh, because it, it uh, it's it's a good networking event. You learn things not only from you, but you're learning from the people that you that you meet at these groups. Uh, I think it's been awesome, and I can't wait to get to Chicago and do it again. Great. Well, thanks, Dylan. I appreciate you and uh, all of you on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Make sure you keep listening to these. By the way, for the next group, try to, actually not try, uh, bring to the next group your three-year, remember if you we wrote down that answer to that three-year question, if you were sitting here three years from today looking back, what would need to have happened for you to be happy with your progress? Um, that writing that you did in your uh, workshop notes, uh, please bring a copy of that to the next group. And bring a copy of your uh, of your 10-year mindset worksheet. Uh, bring those two things. We want to kind of review our progress in those two areas. Until next time, thank you for being with us. Dylan, I really appreciate you being with us. And um, Thanks for, uh, thanks for contributing to the group here, and everyone, we will talk to you soon.